not good. All right. Good evening. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Randy, for letting me come and speak tonight. Uh, Isaiah 55 and 11 says his word will not return it in void. So I've got to believe that what I studied here is going to be good for somebody. I think it's going to be good for all of you. And uh, whether I do a good job or not, it's the Lord's word here that I'm dealing with. I, I spent a lot of time uh, fooling with this. I, I don't mean negatively, but you know what I'm saying there. And uh, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Uh, first thing I'd like to do, and Randy's already plugged it for me, but I'm going to plug it again, is we have a Sunday school class back through these double doors there every Sunday morning about 9.30. Brother uh, Terry Buck and I are the teachers. Uh, we teach every other Sunday. He teaches one, I teach the next, and that's the way we run that. Uh, this coming Sunday will be our first Sunday back. I'm teaching. Uh, we've been out for seven or eight weeks at least, haven't we, Randy, for Sunday school at least. We have uh, coffee and donuts and cookies in most cases. So uh, if you're hungry, that's the place to go on a Sunday morning. We run about uh, 60 plus or minus, sometimes more, sometimes less, of course. And we're family. That's what we've got back there is family. So praise the Lord for that. We teach through the Bible every seven years. And we just invite you to come and join us and be with us there in our class. There's other Sunday school classes too. So I don't mean to take that away from anybody else. All right. Uh, tonight I'd like to talk to you though about faithfulness and I, I, I uh, that was tougher than I thought uh, you, you run there's a lot of rabbits you can chase off of the word faithfulness but uh, I want to talk about Christians tonight and being faithful and first of all I'd like to compliment you folks for being here on Wednesday nights we've run this thing for close to three years now and having prayer and uh you're here. You're faithful. So maybe this is not the right thing for people, but uh, we can talk about ourselves. We're faithful. Praise the Lord. God bless you. The Lord himself is our example. And uh, I'd like to share with you the first verse and the course out of the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It says, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow are turning with thee. Thou canst not, thy compassion they fail not. As thou hast thou been, thou forever will be. Bear with me. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Now, <clears throat> several years ago, I was uh, teaching a Sunday school class back when we was having Sunday school over here in my class. That's some time ago, but uh, I made an attempt to sing a song that had something to do with my Sunday school class because I think it adds to it, okay? And uh, man, I just botched that thing real bad. I mean, I butchered it. I was off key. It was just terrible. And a lady in the back of the class spoke up and says, don't give up your day job. 
brother. Now, Margie, I wouldn't tell who said that. Yeah. I looked up the definition for faithfulness and the synonyms for faithfulness is devoted, loyal, steadfast, true, unwavering, trustworthy. The U.S. Marine Corps has a motto, simplify. And it means in Latin, always faithful. Got any Marines in here? All right, that's good. Do you apply the same standards of faithfulness to your Christian activities that you expect out of other areas of your life? If your car starts once every three tries, is it reliable? If your paper boy skips his delivery Mondays and Thursdays, is he trustworthy? If you don't go to work once or twice a month, are you a loyal employee? If your refrigerator stops working for a day or two every now and then, do you say, oh well, it works most of the time? If your water heater provides an icy cold shower every now and then, is it dependable? If you miss a couple of loan payments every year, does the bank say, well, 10 out of 12 isn't bad? If you fail to worship God one or two Sundays a month, would you expect to be called a faithful Christian? We expect faithfulness and reliability from things and other people, don't we? Every bit of it I do. Does not God expect the same from us? The problem is that in our religious activities, we see ourselves as volunteers rather than duty bound. For a volunteer, almost everything seems acceptable. For a bond servant, however, who is duty bound, faithfulness is expected. Amen. I, uh, Kay and I are, we're on a board from the Church of God that supports uh, seniors in the state of Missouri, okay? And uh, I guess therefore, Kay and I get a monthly newsletter and I can't, I guess you guys get it too. Uh, but our uh, administrative bishop, Brother Thomas Powell, usually writes some kind of a little short one-page deal on here. And, and he, he wrote one in January that sparked what I'm going to talk to you about here tonight. And I'm going to pick up some of the things that he said on here. I'm not going to share it all with you. But he says uh, one thing the Lord requires of us is commitment and faithfulness. We know that. He says in Psalms 100, verse 5, it says, The Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Faithfulness is listed in Galatians 5 as one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. When you look at the scripture and life in general, faithfulness is the glue. Come on now. It's the glue that holds everything together. If you see a dysfunctional family, you, you can bet it's got something to do with somebody's not being faithful somewhere. Okay? Faithfulness is what lasting friendships and marriage are built upon. Being found faithful will draw people to you. If you are faithful in your place of business, it will attract customers and customers bring business. Yeah. 
If you are faithful in paying your bills on time, it will inspire your creditors who in return will bless you when you need them. In scripture, every time you see the blessings of God being manifest in the life of an individual, it wasn't because they were perfect or without fault, but it's because they were faithful. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for faithfulness. And if we are faithful, then when we stand before him, we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah, glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. I just love you so much, Lord. All right. We Christians often get caught up in thinking we need to be perfect or try to be perfect for God to use us. And we know that's not true, but that's what we get hung up on sometimes. The truth is that we can't do that. We will never be perfect without the Lord's help. Truth is, God uses imperfect people. Someone once gave me a list of people. You might be here tonight. It's, I've had it for years. Who God uses in the Bible. So the next time you think that you're unusable, listen to this. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses was a stuttering, had a stuttering problem. And Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and he's a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciple fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. Y'all with me? Good. Praise the Lord. At my house, I have an old one of those cassette tapes and it's uh, when I was studying for this, I think I, I'm going to try to find that thing. And uh, it, it's, it's in one of those little tapes and it's entitled Crackpots. And this lady by the name of Patsy Claremore, uh, she said that this was her tape and she said that she was the, the visual aid for that tape because she was a crackpot. She says God shines his light through the top of the pot or the pitcher. And the light shines through the crack in the picture to other people. God's light can shine through us even if we are crackpots. Even if we are imperfect, God can use us. Now the devil will tell you, boy, you messed up. You just better stay out of the way because you ain't no witness for the Lord. We just got to confess it and ask God to forgive us and go on because the devil will have you to quit. Amen. We often think God can't use us. But he does when we let him, if we'll let him now. I feel qualified to talk about this tonight because I am very imperfect. But we go on. We hang in there. And in Exodus chapter 17, the people there were thirsty for water. And they were complaining to Moses. And were ready to stone Moses, if you remember those days. Moses was ready to quit. He was fed up with them people. Did you ever get fed up with people? I'm sure pastors do. 
the Lord told Moses to go on, and Moses did that. He went on. Ever been ready to quit? Trying to serve the Lord as best you can? It seems like nobody cares. No one wants to help you pull that wagon. Everything is going wrong. Woe is me. Remember Elijah running from Jezebel, sitting under that juniper tree out there in the wilderness? He was saying, take my life, Lord. I've had enough of this. I quit. I hope you've all seen my t-shirt there. Praise the Lord. Check it out. Kay and I have dear friends, Reverend Ed and Karen Sherrill, who have a ministry for tired and stressed pastors and wives. And this place is up near Zalma. Kay and I drew the plans for their lodge a few years ago. It's a first class area where a hundred ministers and their wives annually can come and spend time alone there with the Lord and be refreshed. Ed says, I believe the Lord called me into this ministry or wouldn't be doing it. After he retired from ministry, some 30 years, he, he jumped into this. I guess he's just gonna go all the way. He says the 1,500 ministers, ministers leave the ministry each month in the United States of America. I remember the time when Ed felt burned out, tired and discouraged in his ministry as pastor at the House Springs, House Springs Assembly of God. I remember somebody in his congregation loaned him a trailer, camping trailer, and he went up to Sammy Baker Park and he stayed up there for about a week with his Bible. I remember going up and visiting him one time, just shared some time with him. But he was trying to get a touch from the Lord. Lord, what it is you want me to do? Where am I at? He was discouraged. We all get that way sometimes. And out of this experience, Ed is ministering to the pastors up there and uh, be glad to take you up there sometime if you ever want to see this. Now, it's kind of back in the woods. It's in a wilderness area, but it's a beautiful lodge and they're going to build some cabins and spaces for trailers and such. Okay, I talked to a person. Uh, let me back up here. I got a paragraph here I've jumped over. It is not only pastors that burn out, however, though. It has been told that 20% of the Christians in the church do all the work. There's something wrong with that. Did you hear me? There's something wrong with that. If that's true, it should not be. I talked to a person Sunday afternoon after church. I felt like I needed to call this individual. And I called and trying to encourage him. Uh, he told me he was thinking about quitting church. And I said, you can't do that. You've been in church all your life. You can't do that. This person's close to me. He's been in church all of his life, but he's fed up and he's tired. Whatever God is calling you to do, you need to do it with all of your heart. The scripture backs that up. I don't have it here before me, but I know it does. You just got to keep on doing it. Be faithful to the Lord. Keep your eyes off of other people's calling. Don't expect to preach like Kent does. The Lord's probably got something for you that Kent's not available for, that Kent's not qualified for. Y'all with me? We're all individuals. We're different. And he gives us a place. He gives us a spot to work and to witness and, and to let our light shine for him. And sometimes it's not in a church setting. It may be out there where you don't really want to be. You may be sweating. All right, you all know where I'm at there. God has equipped you for your calling. Take heed to it and run with perseverance the race marked out for you, not the race that is set for somebody else. <clears throat> in 
Luke 16 and 10, it says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And that that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Now, that's complicated somewhat for something so simple there and short, but here's what I think it says. Too many people are not faithful in little things. They cannot be dependable on, depended upon many times to perform even the smallest duties. They do not always keep their promise. They make appointments and do not keep them. They, pay, or they fail to pay their bills in a timely manner. They came late, come late to their engagements and do not come at all. They are neglected and unfaithful in little things. The neglectful and unfaithful in little things. They may be good people in general, but their lives is characterized by a lack of faithfulness. Faithfulness in little things is a big thing. Did you hear me? Faithfulness in little things is a big thing. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 16, which I've read that scripture to you, that those who are unfaithful in little things will also be unfaithful in big things. By contrast, one who is faithful in small matters and can be depended upon even in that which is least can be trusted with much. Faithfulness is important. Now, I've been in church a long time. I've had different positions, I've, uh, different things, different churches, responsibilities, and I know this. I would rather have no help as to have unfaithful help or undependable help. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Enough said. The story is told of a professional man who applied for a high-level position with a huge corporation. After the interview with, interview with the chief executive officer, he was invited to go to lunch with him in the company cafeteria. The CEO watched the man go through the cafeteria line with a tray, and he noticed that he slipped a two-cent pad of butter under the bread so that he wouldn't have to pay for it. He thought to himself, if this man will be unfaithful in something so small, he is not the kind of man that I can trust with my business. That man lost what was probably the best job of his life over something so small as a pad of butter. Lord help us. The little things turn into big things sometimes. Lord help us. God questions to us when we stand before him as believers will not be how much were you noticed or even how much did you accomplish. Rather, the question will be, were you faithful in fulfilling your calling where I placed you? And we all, I believe, were placed someplace. And sometimes that place where we're placed may not be as, you may not get the glory. The others get where God placed somebody else. But if he put you there, that's where you need to be. The criteria, now listen, this one liner here. The criteria for rewards or lack thereof is faithfulness. I'm going to read that again. The criteria for rewards or lack thereof is faithfulness. In Matthew 25, 21, the Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Glory. We must strive to be more faithful one at a time in taking care of other people, in doing deeds of kindness, and in <clears throat> performing the small everyday tasks faithfully. If we do that, 
then the big things will be taken care of because David, as a shepherd boy, faithfully took care of a few sheep. God entrusted him to lead the nation of Israel as their king. We just never know. In 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stirrups that a man be found faithful. In Galatians 6 and 9, it says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint, if we don't give up. You can't give up. You got to keep on keeping on. If we are involved in big things, they are big enough for God to handle. If we are involved in small things, they are not too small for God to bless. The key to success is this. You don't quit. You keep on keeping on. Okay. In 1953, it says a flagging business called Rocket Chemical Company and its staff of three set out to create a line of rust-preventing solvents and degreasers to use for the aerospace industry. Working in a small lab in San Diego, California, it took them 40 attempts to perfect their formula, the original secret formula for WD-40 that's setting up here this morning, which stands for water displacement, 40th attempt, is still in use today and has been found to have thousands of uses. What a story of persistence, amen? Stay after it. Did you know that? Me either, WD-40. Tried it 40 times. There will be days when you get tackled by problems and circumstances beyond your control. There will be days when you stumble and you fall, even fumble the ball. But don't quit. Just get up. Keep going for the Lord. In Proverbs 24, 16, part A, it says, For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. We would name examples, or we could name examples after example of individuals, and even companies like I've mentioned here, uh, that succeeded because they didn't quit. Dr. John Pemberton invented Coca-Cola in 1886. Sales for that first year was about $50. The funny thing at that is that it cost Pemberton over $70 in expenses, so the first year of his sales was a loss. Would you like to venture the guess that what the annual sales of Coca-Cola is today? You can find that product in, in a place in the world sometimes you can't find water. And I think uh, Tom Rankin and I have been on enough mission trips to Mexico and I think you could buy a Coke where you couldn't find the water. Isn't that right, Kent? Moses didn't quit and God used him to lead the children out of Israel or out of Israel out of Egypt. <laughs> I got that. David didn't quit, even in the face of the intimidating giant named Goliath, and God gave him great victory. Elijah didn't quit, even though he got, to, got so discouraged that he wanted to die. But God refreshed him, and he kept on going for the Lord. Peter may have thought it was all over when he denied Jesus three times, but the Lord Jesus commissioned Peter, and on the day of Pentecost, his preaching was used to God so that 3,000 souls were saved and added to that church. Jesus didn't quit until he had finished the work the Father had gave him to do. And he said, 
it is finished. When you get discouraged, get up and get going again. It wasn't easy for the great heroes of faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews there. And in the very next chapter, chapter 12, says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compressed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily beset us, and let us run with patience, run with endurance, run with persistence, the race that is set before us. Hallelujah. In Philippians 1 and 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. Tonight, we're going to go to prayer here shortly. Uh, and I want you to make this a time of praise to the Lord. And uh, if I could uh, only use three words to praise the Lord, it would be thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's pretty simple, but I'm a simple guy. I can handle that. I get up in the middle of the night. My bones ache. I got to get up ever so often. And uh, it's thank you, Jesus. I spent most of my day saying thank you, Jesus. Because I knew I had this before me. And that's my way of thanking the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's my favorite prayer. That's what I have been saying all day. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's thank him for letting us be Christians. We are blessed. You know what? You don't have to be a Christian. You could be one of those peoples out there on the street that's not a Christian. You don't have, things didn't come your way. You never got to the altar. We won't have to be Christian. We were blessed. You know, this nation's in a, just a terrible mess. I've never seen it so bad in all my life, but we're blessed. We're Christians. I can handle it. I got hope. Much of this world doesn't have hope. They don't see where anything's coming good out of this. Let's thank him for letting us live in the USA. Much of the rest of the world would like to come here. You hear me? Even with all of our troubles, they still want to come here. The good old USA is a stinking mess. But it's the best boat afloat. Did you hear me? Thank God for being married, uh, born in America. Hallelujah. Let's thank him for letting us have a Pentecostal church to worship in. We take that so much for granted. Now you hear Kent talk about dead churches and they're out there. They're not all dead, thank God. But praise God for a Pentecostal church. And praise God, I don't know about you, but I've got a heritage. I said, I've got a heritage. We need not forget that and tell it to your kids. Kid, listen, boy, don't go wrong. You've got a heritage, son. Tell it to your grandkids. Make them believe it. Before you find a place to pray here tonight, I've got to tell you about Reverend Charles Lance. Before you, <clears throat> hold on. He's my friend, or he was my friend. He's my family's friend, my dad's friend, my mother's friend. He's a friend of my mother-in-law before she passed away. Brother Lance was everybody's friend. You see, Brother Lance never quit. Okay, I was going to wear a cowboy hat. I forgot all about it. My goodness. He died about three years ago. He probably was 94 plus or minus. He drove a big old Lincoln town car because he's a tall, big man. He wore a cowboy hat and wore a chain necklace around his neck with a cross on the end of it. He's a big guy. 
He grew up in Scott City area and he pastored Assembly of God churches in the area in and around this area. When he quit pastoring, he became the pastor uh, for the seniors in the Cape First. If you were sick or in a hospital, he would be there and pray for you. Brother Lance was an example of faithfulness in my mind. Maybe as faithful as anybody that I've ever known. When he would pray for you, he would almost always say at the beginning of his prayer, one more time, Lord. Come on, pick up. I've added this on purpose now. Can't preach. This line was in one of his sermons not too awful long ago. One more time, Lord. At first I didn't get it, but I eventually caught on. I believe it was a play on words from Samson said in Judges chapter 16 on the last day of his life. Delilah had betrayed him and cut off his hair. The Philistines took him and put out his eyes. They placed him between two main pillars and supported the temple where 3,000 Philistines were offering sacrifice to get Dagon, their God. Samson was not perfect. You and I are not perfect. And God used him one more time. Samson says, oh God, remember me, strengthen me, I pray, just one more time. And he pushed with all of his might against the pillars of the temple and, he, and it fell, killing more at his death than he'd killed in all of his lifetime. You all know that story. So I would have you to consider this as we go to prayer here tonight. Just one more time, Lord. Use it a couple times. All right. One more time, Lord. Heal this person. Heal this one. God, save my grandkids. One more time, Lord Jesus. Are you all with me? Now, I've not said all I've got to say, but I would like for you to find a place to pray here. And uh, I hope I haven't taken too much, Randy. Uh, just find your place. You can come up here if you wish. You can stay where you're at. But plug in old Brother Lance's one more time, Lord. And put some effort into it. Pray for, praise the Lord. That's how we're going to get out of this mess in our country is to praise the Lord. You know, I was telling Kent, here I go, brother. I'm, just a while ago, it seemed like the more I study on this, the more there was to have. And Kay finally said, Danny, you got enough. You got enough, Danny. By the way, before I quit, before we pray, she's a faithful wife to me. She's put up with me for just almost 55 years now. You better be good to me after I talk that good to you.